And welcome to it. It's Monday, the last Monday of January in 2024. It's Michael Pelka with you on the Puro Pelka podcast. A lot to get to today. Important stuff going on as we wrap up January. And look, we're 281 days away from the election. The most important election in your lifetime. You better be prepared to participate. I, I always say, I don't care if you vote. I just want you to vote. I really do care how you vote. I do. I want you to vote to save this great republic, this great country. And that means you can't vote for Democrats. There just aren't any good Democrat options. I've looked. I've looked, and I know some of you are saying, well, Mike, you've occasionally said you agree with John Fetterman these days. I know. It's scaring me more and more. Like once a week, I agree with something Fetterman said. I think he said something over the weekend, too, and he was even waving an Israeli flag on the roof of his house as a bunch of jackwagon protesters were out in the street saying, John Fetterman, you can't hide. We don't want a genocide. Shut up. All right, before we get into the news of the day, and we're going to talk with uh, Congressman Mark Green, who I tracked down at SHOT Show in Las Vegas to discuss the Homeland Security Committee that he chairs in the House and talking about impeaching Mayorkas, which needs to be done. And I think we're going to get some news on that today. Let's look at this day in history. On this day back in the day, 1820, King George III died. Yeah, he probably died of embarrassment after this little ragtag colony kicked his butt. And then we started this great country, America. In 1861, Kansas joined the Union, 34th state in our union. In uh, 1936, the Baseball Hall of Fame elected its first members, which included, of course, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb. 1964, one of the great movies. I know it's a little bizarre. Dr. Strangelove. Doctor, you really need to see Dr. Strangelove. Or How I Learned to Love the Bomb and Stop Worrying or Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. It's a great film. Uh, absolutely stunning and wonderful. Black and white, though. So a lot of people go, ooh, I can't, I can't watch that. In 1978, Sweden was the first nation to ban aerosol cans, you know, to save the planet. You know, from the ozone hole thingy, Sweden. 1979, a year later, Jimmy Carter commuted Patty Hearst's sentence. Remember Patty Hearst, the heiress who hung out with the Symbionese Liberation Army and, and they talked about Stockholm Syndrome, that she, she suddenly became sympathetic to them? Yeah. 1984, Ronald Reagan announced, I am running for a second term, and boy, did he kick butt. In 2002, George W. Bush described Iran, Iraq, and North Korea as the axis of evil. And you still got uh, North Korea doing some axis of evil stuff. They were launching some cruise missiles this weekend, testing out some missiles this weekend that they say can be launched from submarines. Anyone worried? Yeah. On top of that, we had the three American soldiers killed. More soldiers killed under Joe Biden's watch. Again. Because of a drone strike that was supported by Iran, paid for by Iran, on our U.S. base, our troops that were set up just over the Syrian border in Jordan. Three members of our American military died this past weekend, more than 30 injured. Now, we have not, as of the recording of this podcast is happening, we have not retaliated. Joe Biden says he will. I don't believe that it's going to be consequential because let's think about it. 160 plus times since the invasion, 
the deadly assault on Israel. Since October 7th, 160 plus times, American troops have come under fire from these these Iran-sponsored terrorist groups. And we have not done anything. After the first one, we should have been ready. There should have been a notice to Iran and to the Houthis and Hamas and Hezbollah that said, all right, anything happens to us, you're going to pay a serious price, and then we should have been doling out the serious price paying. But we didn't. I'm not out here saying, well, let's, uh, let's nuke Iran. No, but we need to make it consequential. We need to stop funding them. We need to stop making it easy for Iran to make money so they can spend it this way. I, I just have no faith in Joe Biden. I have zero faith in Joe Biden. And, and why is that? Because uh, he's, he's repeatedly out there saying things that are so stupid and obviously showing his cognitive decline. Things that are showing Joe Biden is today's the best day he's going to have ever, right? The best day he's ever, ever going to have going forward. Every other day going forward is going to be a decline. And that's what's happening right now. And we're seeing it live to the point where the Democrats realize that their campaign to keep the White House is in serious trouble and they're going to have to create a gigantic event using Barack Obama and Bill Clinton and doing like a superpower PR event to raise money. But this guy, he's just not all there. And he proved it in uh, South Carolina this weekend. He even referred to Donald Trump as the sitting president. Does he understand the concept? I don't know. Did you see what he recently said about the West? The, he wants to see the economy crash this year? Yeah. Sitting president. As he say in my face, bless me, Father, for, I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. No, Joe Biden doesn't understand what's going on. He is really lost. He does not know what's going on around him. It's very dangerous where, where this guy could take us. Because he's not all there. It is, uh, it, it's not just embarrassing. It is dangerous. Dangerous. And he keeps trying to be all things to all people. He showed up in a church this weekend with James Clyburn. Trying to uh, rally the base of black voters in South Carolina. And telling the stories that he's been telling about how he goes to every church, every synagogue, every temple. All the stuff here. Like I said, I was kidding with Jim. I, uh, I always go to 7.30 Mass at St. Joe's, which is a, a church built, Catholic church built by indentured Irish servants working for the DuPont family. It's kind of, kind of, it always kind of made me angry. The, head, the cornerstone of the church, 1848, says, built for our Catholics. I never figured we were their Catholics. But anyway, but all kidding aside, then I'd go to 10.30 Mass, or 10.30 service with Reverend Beeman. And uh, during the civil rights era, when I was working hard as a young man, a public defender. And, uh, you know, uh, you said it, Rev. My, uh, my mother would say, you got to be who you say you are. You got to do what you say you're going to do. Just get up. Just get up. And more and more, he sounds like Homer Simpson's father. Just wandering around the random thoughts in his head. And that's the most powerful man on the planet. That's the guy who's got the 
codes to the nuclear missiles. It's very dangerous. And I'm going to keep saying that. Joe Biden is dangerous. He saw a big guy in the crowd when he went to visit a South Carolina barbershop. And he keeps repeating this story that he could have been an All-American football player. Sees a big guy and basically saying, ah, well, you know, you, you could have been All-American. You, you would have been blocking in front of me if I had you. Ron Jameson. Ron what is he even saying? It's embarrassing. It's troubling. It's disturbing. And it's not good for America. And then he starts telling things that aren't true. For example, do you remember the lie about Donald Trump that said Donald Trump called dead soldiers suckers and losers? Joe Biden was screaming about it in South Carolina this weekend. Donald Trump, when he was commander in chief, refused to visit a cemetery, U.S. cemetery outside of Paris for fallen American soldiers. And he referred to those heroes, and I quote, as suckers and losers. He actually said that. He said that. How dare he say that? No, he didn't say that. I I checked The very far left-leaning Snopes.com, you know, they're supposed to be the truth tellers, and they could not confirm that. They could not in any way, shape, or form confirm that. Not even close to confirming that. There are videos of Donald Trump responding. Apparently, that claim was made uh, anonymously, quietly, etc., And uh, the night it came out, Donald Trump got off Air Force One, returning from a campaign rally in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and he responded to the accusations. He talked directly to the media about it. Uh, Here's a little bit. It's very unscripted and right off the cuff, typical Donald Trump. Fake news, corrupt news, uh, the kind of news that's ruining your profession. And everyone knows it's totally false. General Keith Kellogg was a highly respected man, couldn't believe when he heard it, and he knows everything about all of it. And to think that I would make statements negative to our military and our fallen heroes when nobody's done what I've done with the budgets, with the military budgets, with getting pay raises for our military, it is a disgraceful situation by a magazine that's a terrible magazine. I don't read it, but I just heard about it. They made it up. And probably it's a couple of people that have been failures in the administration that I got rid of, and I couldn't get rid of them fast enough. So Donald Trump denied it, and there was never a person who came up and said, yes, I heard him say that. It was all Bravo Sierra. What could it have been? Well, the former president, when he was president, actually, is when this happened, he explained what was going on because this was an overseas trip that his visits to these cemeteries, these memorials, was put at risk by the weather. I had two of them, one the following day, it was pouring and I went to that, but the helicopter could not fly. The reason it couldn't fly, because it was raining about as hard as I've ever seen. And on top of that, it was very, very foggy. And the helicopter was unable to fly. It was a fairly long helicopter flight, but it was a very long drive. In order for me to go, We would have had to leave immediately 
and go through very busy areas of, I guess, Paris, but a very, very heavily traveled area, very, a big city, I think it was Paris. And the Secret Service told me, you can't do it. I said, I have to do it. I want to be there. They said, you can't do it. We'll get you confirmation of this. They said, for you to do that, make that trip, not by helicopter flying over everything. We have to work with the police. We have to work with everything. And I think you'll find on record in the police force, in the areas that we're talking about, areas of Paris that we're talking about, I think you'll find on record requests. And we actually have Secret Service that I'm going to ask to give you details. They said you can't do it. It was two and a half hours or two hours of drive. It was a long drive. So here's what happened. The weather was so bad that the helicopter couldn't fly. And Trump said, well, let's drive. And in order to suddenly change your plans to go through a major metropolitan area in another country and drive through it, it takes days of scouting out so you don't have terrorists lining the route where the presidential limo is going to be going. Couldn't be done. And again, I go back to Snopes, the far left leaning group that said they could not confirm what was alleged now that Joe Biden is out there screaming about it over and over again. I wonder if Donald Trump can sue Biden for defamation. I don't think so. I think, you know, presidential candidates, public figures, they go back and forth. Uh, I don't think they can. But E. Jean Carroll was able to sue Donald Trump for defamation and uh, if you were paying attention Friday, you heard the number. Her, her attorneys asked for $24 million up from $10 million. They raised it during the closing arguments. And as they did that, as they raised their ask to the jury for damages, the jury kind of said, well, wait a minute, uh, we're going to bump that up. So the total award that the jury said they wanted Donald Trump to have to pay was $83.5 million. Now, Trump's going to uh, appeal this because there's a whole bunch of hinkiness around this entire trial. Everything from E. Jean Carroll's testimony changing, not remembering the day the dress she said she wore was not made until two years later, how much she loved Donald Trump and talked about him afterwards, loved The Apprentice, and then there is the relationship between her attorney and the judge, which we just learned about. And Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, says she may file an appeal based on that, that collusion. The two of them worked together in the past. Uh, that judge should not have been on that trial, in my opinion. See if we can get Wendy Patrick on the horn sometime this week and ask about it. But E. Jean Curl made the round. She was on CNN this morning talking about uh, Donald Trump. And I think she may have defamed Donald Trump when she said this. You may soon, though, have quite a bit of his money. And I wonder how you plan to use that. Oh, it's inspiring. We talk about it a lot. <laughs> We're going to do good with that money. We're going to do... Mary Trump has suggested uh, we turn Trump Tower into an animal sanctuary, for instance. A joke. That was a joke, Poppy. <laughs> Uh, no, but we're, we're inspired to uh, do not waste a penny of this. And we have some good ideas that we're working on. Specifically aimed at well, what would oppose well, Trump? Well, Donald Trump, 
hates women. Remember the New York Magazine, the famous quote when they said, Don, what do you think of women? He said, women, they're not worth a piece of crap. Remember that quote? And so I think one of the things we could do, seeing as how he's very instrumental in taking away women's rights over their bodies across the United States, maybe we can think about how we can restore women their rights. Hmm. Use a little of money for that. Hmm. Really? Interesting. Now, that quote where she said, Donald Trump hates women, and then she claimed that New York Magazine article, 1992 story on Donald Trump, he didn't say, I hate women. He didn't say women, they're not worth a piece of crap. I think that's the term she used. But Donald did say, you have to treat them like S. He was talking about how he, I guess, romanced women. And uh, not exactly the most sensitive thing to say, but he didn't say women, they, are, they aren't worth a piece of crap. I wonder if that will create any trouble for E. Jean Carroll. She also said something at the very end of this lengthy CNN interview that struck me as being interesting, especially as we go back in the history of some of these Democrat presidents like Bill Clinton and the women he was uh, involved with. And Joe Biden himself and the allegation made by Tara Reid that when he worked for Joe Biden, when she worked for Joe Biden in the Senate office, that uh, he molested her, that he sexually invaded her body. But E. Jean Carroll, in her statement, her closing discussion on CNN, um, may have said something that I think we should then relive as it relates to Tara Reid. This is why this decision bodes well for women across. It came at a time when we needed that positive, we believe you statement. Um, so this win really was uh, for every woman who stood up and been knocked down. Every woman. Every woman. Really? E. Jean Carroll? You want every woman to be believed and uh, you want Tara Reid to be believed? I wonder. Um, and Robbie and I are here. We're, we have planted our flag and we want to turn things around and uh, make sure uh, that women are believed. Hmm. Now, Tara Reid actually left the country because so many people were threatening her. Boy, isn't that interesting. That happened earlier today. We'll see where that goes. That is one to watch. But this uh, E. Jean Carroll, the uh, case, the award will be appealed. I'm sure that's going to happen. I'm sure. Pretty sure. A lot of people are uh, talking about the Trump vice presidential sweepstakes. I think it's a waste of time. Uh, Donald Trump's going to pick who he's going to pick. We pretty much know his, his group, his final four, and we shall see. I'm more concerned about a, a new group of voters that were identified in a brand new poll survey. I think this is out of Newsweek. It's not the swing states that we should be talking about. It's the swift states, the Taylor Swift states. There is a new survey out that shows almost one in five voters, 18% of voting age Americans, would be swayed by Taylor Swift's endorsement and you know she's not endorsing Donald Trump 
I doubt that is going to happen. But that's kind of fascinating to me that uh, Taylor Swift could be the swing vote in this election. The Swift states. Isn't that fascinating? I know Saturday night's working overtime. A lot of the pop culture outlets are working overtime to destroy Donald Trump's candidacy. And uh, SNL this weekend didn't waste any time going after Trump. But they also showed their ignorance when they were trying to mock Donald Trump for using a term that is actually a real term. I'm talking about debanking. And that is what the left is up to. They're trying to prevent anybody who wants to buy a gun, buy ammo. They're trying to block banks from doing business with gun shops and ammunition stores because that's their way of squeezing all of us who are conservatives, all of us who are Second Amendment fans, out of, uh, out of our, our Second Amendment rights, out of the ability to protect ourselves. So they've created this debanking thing. And it is real. It was done in Canada. The Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau did it during the trucker strike. It's happening, and this is why Donald Trump Jr. is also involved in companies that are creating ways for uh, these stores, the gun stores, the ammo stores, to go around the traditional banking system because they've been debanked. But SNL found that to be funny, thinking it was even made up. Hasn't lost a step. (laughs) Trump did have a slight stumble this week while talking about banks, and he introduced an interesting new term called debank. We're also going to place strong protections to stop banks and regulators from trying to debank you. They want to debank you, and we're going to debank. I don't know what the hell debank means, but he might have to take de-ambulance to see the doctor. Now, it sounds funny until somebody actually does a quick Google search and learns that debanking is a thing. It's real. And when it happens to you, Colin Jost, I think you'll be very surprised. Uh, The other interesting story, you know how much I love history. If you go back to 2015, when Donald Trump had just really announced he was a candidate, Saturday Night Live actually tried to mock the idea of a President Trump. And it's interesting, fascinating, prescient even, to see how right they were, even though they were trying to mock him. Do you remember this? Well, Mr. President, you did it. Just like I promised, right? (laughs) Halfway through into your first term and prosperity is at an all-time high. In two years, you really made America great again. See, I told you, it's more than just words on a silly head. See, Trump actually did the show and SNL thought they would mock him. This is 2015 and they're saying it's 2018 and the economy's great and everyone's experiencing... The Trump policy prosperity. They thought they were going to mock him. There's more. First Lady Melania is 100% correct. I got to admit, you know, I I didn't think it could happen this fast. Everyone loves the new laws you tweeted. Terrific. (laughs) They're trying to make jokes about him tweeting so much. Remember, it was the mean tweets that ticked him off. But there's more of this. I'm still loving the fact that so much of this came true. Just terrific. General, how are we doing in Syria? Well, ISIS is completely eliminated, sir. The country is at peace. All the refugees have returned. And they have great jobs as blackjack dealers in the Trump Hotel and Casino in Damascus. Now, the casino joke is good. 
But the reality is Donald Trump did destroy ISIS, completely wiped out ISIS. Now they've come back together. Why? Well, because of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. I'll post a link to this sketch. It goes on for about three minutes. It is just astounding to me that what they thought was mockery ended up being the truth. 100% truth. We're keeping an eye on what's going on over in the Middle East, not only because of the American soldiers that have been killed, but the fighting goes on still between Israel and Hamas in the Gaza Strip. And uh, Israel says uh, now, uh, that we're, now that, that more U.N. employees have admitted to helping Hamas, we paid for those U.N. employees to help Hamas on the October 7th attack, that uh, they're not so eager for a ceasefire. And I think we shouldn't be so eager to keep sending money to the U.N., but that's me. Ceasefire talks are apparently ongoing right now using Secretary of State Antony Blinken, as well as some say our CIA. We'll see what happens. The dumbest poll of the day, that award goes to the group that asked Americans, hey, are you paying too much taxes? Yes, of course. Anybody who answered no is an idiot and should be locked up. Other stories that we're keeping an eye on, Ghislaine Maxwell reportedly writing a tell-all book about her life in prison and her connections to uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And she's apparently trying to save her skin. I don't think we're going to get the true story. She's trying to make a little money. The Mona Lisa got hit by some soup thrown by environmental wackos, but, you know, it's covered by uh, gigantic plastic guards, so the painting wasn't actually hurt. Uh, These people need to be uh, spending some serious time in prison even though they didn't hurt the painting it's just a pain in the butt we'll see if france does anything about it leah thomas remember the guy that pretends to be a woman that won uh, ncaa titles wants to be on the olympic team and has now hired a bunch of lawyers so he can swim against women in the olympics give me a break all right big deal coming up this week it looks like alejandro mayorkas uh, might be experiencing uh, the impeachment process, thanks to the House of Representatives, I hope so. Representative Mark Green from Tennessee is the guy who chairs the House Committee on Homeland Security. And I ran into him this past uh, week in, uh, in Las Vegas at SHOT Show, which was very cool, by the way. It was a great time. And uh, the congressman was there. I wanted to find out why a congressman was there. But I also want to pick his brain about what the committee is doing. Uh, Representative Mark Green's a doctor, medical doctor, served in the U.S. military. And as I said, I tracked him down at SHOT Show. Representative Green, welcome, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. Well, you are a really important guy these days. You know, as the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, there's a lot of Klieg lights pointed your way. What does that attention feel like? <laughs> well, it's interesting. You know, there, there are a lot of Americans who support. In fact, you know, the securing of the border is an 80-20 issue. I mean, there are Democrats who want us to secure the border. So, But then there are the haters, and uh, we get a little bit of that attention, too. I, it doesn't matter to me. I, you know, I've been shot at in combat. I'm not... 
I'm not afraid. Um, and it's what we've got to do to protect our country. No American is safe right now with Mayorkas as the Secretary of Homeland Security. Well, I know there's the push to impeach him and maybe see him removed. Do you think that's going to happen? And what's the timeline? I think there's a very good chance we impeach him. In fact, we've been doing an investigation that we ended in December, and now we've been doing an impeachment hearing process that uh, next week will result in the impeachment articles being filed against him from my committee. And so I think by first or second week of February, we'll have a vote on the floor. I hope so. I'll be lighting candles for that. But it also feels like suddenly, as you mentioned, this issue is now an 80-20 issue with the American people. Suddenly the Democrats from the president on down have caught in wind of this problem at the border. Do you think it's genuine or is this more political campaign year activity? That's exactly what it is with Joe Biden and Mayorkas. They don't care. I mean, if they really cared, they'd do something to stop it. What they're doing is they're not detaining people. And, And if you detain and put them in ICE detention, that is a deterrent for this mass wave of people. Well, they're just releasing into the country. Those people are calling home. Those people, all their relatives are coming and pouring across the border. If they wanted to stop it, they could stop it tomorrow by following the law. And they're choosing not to follow the law. Following the law, that's a unique concept yeah. these days. I, I hope it catches on. Yeah. Now, you're at SHOT Show. You're here in Las Vegas at SHOT Show. What is a member of Congress doing at SHOT Show? Well, we're here to connect with the industry, of course, and, and to be their advocate in D.C., There's a lot of pushback that we have to give to the Biden administration because they're taking both regulatory policy and trying to write laws that basically shut down the industry. The Democrats hate guns and they hate gas. And so they're doing everything they can to stop both. And so we have to fight back. And I passed some legislation, you know, to do that. And I've got legislation now. So I'm here listening to the manufacturers, getting ideas and making sure that I'm defending them and freedom, freedom. We love that. We love big fans of the Second Amendment here. Now, you said you've got bills you're working on, but you had a bill that Joe Biden signed? Yeah. Well, first, Joe Biden's education department basically created a policy that was going to shut down every hunter safety education program in high schools across America. And so we built the bill within 24 hours of that announcement. We went out to Gun Owners of America, Safari Club International, all of these organizations, they got really loud and America got really loud. And so it passed the House of Representatives with only one no vote. It passed the Senate unanimously. Joe Biden didn't have a chance. He had to sign it or we would have overturned his veto. That's amazing. I love hearing that. I love it when the people and the people's voice actually gets heard. Uh, A couple of questions. I know you're a very busy guy here. You're working the floor here. I have two questions for you. What the heck is the Songwriters Caucus? The Songwriters Caucus, so in my district, the songwriters, they kind of get screwed by the pricing models when Spotify and all these streaming agencies come out. They stopped getting paid for writing their songs. Look, if the current model... If we were building it from the scratch, we would not build the current model. But under the current model, they got screwed. And so they formed a political group and they lobby Congress. And when we fight for their rights, they're my constituents. They write all the country music songs. Oh, that's true. Now, I, I thought that like ASCAP and CSAC and all those big publishing houses would have gone in there and fought. Are you telling me all these streaming platforms have somehow gotten around all of that? Well, there was a bill passed two years ago, so they were successful in getting it fixed. Okay, so it's been, well, I should say partially fixed. There's some more legislation that we got to do to make them whole. But they formed a political group, action group, 
uh, rallied members of Congress, created the Songwriters Congress to, to fight for our conference caucus to fight for them in Congress. So, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I did not know about that. Uh, final question. You spent six hours interviewing Saddam Hussein, turned it into a book, My Night with Saddam Hussein. Yeah. This sounds like it should be a movie. <laughs> well, I, I have been approached by a couple of folks about doing a movie on it. But yeah, I was the doctor for our tier one assets that captured Saddam and I got to uh, interview him the night we caught him. It was pretty amazing. And I wrote the book. I wasn't going to write the book because, you know, usually in that community, when you write a book there, you're sort of persona non grata, right? But I had an uh, operator come to me and say, Mark, you got to tell this story because, I mean, I asked a lot of historical questions that, <coughs> you know, were new to, uh, new information. So they're like, write the book. And so I wrote the book, A Night with Saddam. Well, I'm putting it on my list. I'm trying to read 50 books this year. Oh, wow. And I have an opening because I'm a week ahead. So I'm going to read a night with Saddam, and I'll I'll see you at CPAC, that and I'll give good. you my review. And bring the book, and I'll uh, I'll sign it. It's a deal. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. And there day. he goes. And uh, here I go. I'm I've got work to do. As a matter of fact, I just got a phone call. I'll be in uh, for Simon Conway all across Iowa this evening from five to seven p.m. Eastern. So if you're around, I'll post links where you can listen on the iHeartRadio app. On 1040 AM, 1040 WHO out of Des Moines, Iowa. Till tomorrow, testudo, my friends. Testudo.